morning to you. This is not an occupation. This is not a vocation. This is a life. And it all centers around one, Jesus Christ, and his love. A love that is, is unending, but a love that is so powerful that it can rescue, it can save, it can heal, and it can make brand new in a love that just never stops loving. Amen? Praise God. Well, we've got some young kids that need to go to their classes this morning. We'll let them do that at this time. Um, we're so grateful for everyone that's out uh, this morning. Uh, I do want to acknowledge Brian and Jolene's whole family with us this morning, all but one, I believe, and the one little one that's uh, doing well, but still, you know, uh, needing some extra special care. And so uh, thank you for joining us today. And uh, your mom and dad, of course, are just great people. Uh, Bless you. Each one, uh, uh, we see friends and, uh, you know, uh, visitors this morning, and, and then, of course, people that are missing, but that's life. That's life. I uh, made it a uh, concerted effort, at least, that I might fail once in a while in it, and that is that, you know, uh, celebrate what's here, not what's not here, and uh, because uh, these are the opportunities that, that uh, uh, God has given to us. Hallelujah. Isn't it an amazing thing to think about it when the thief is hanging there? How just a decision can determine a destiny. Because there's two of them there. They're all headed, both of them are headed in the wrong place. And yet, it was a decision that changed the destiny of one so that that day, which was a horrible day. Uh, being crucified is not a fun thing. I mean, I, I, I can, never done it, but <laughs> doesn't look fun to me. I mean, I've pinched my finger before, and that's not even fun, let alone, you know, something to that degree. But that, that in a moment, in, a, in, a, in, a, in just, a, just a, a, a directional turn, that a history that was probably worse than, you know, uh, uh, none of us have ever walked that path. Uh, if you're a murderer here this morning, uh, if you've murdered somebody and told them, you know what I mean, don't tell us either, okay, because... <laughs> but you probably never murdered anybody. I mean, his track record was bad. Extreme. And yet, just one decision, one turn, one acknowledgement, and the Savior and the Lord of all the universe says, why don't you come home with me? Come home with me. So, you know, even after all these years of, of... Knowing Christ, I'm still moved to tears. You know, 
still moved to, just overwhelmed uh, about the love of God and the great graciousness of, of him. He's risen. Paul said if he's not, everything we're doing is in vain, it's futile. I'm not here to try to convince you that he's risen. I would like to share with you this morning the impact of his resurrection and focusing on the story behind his scars or the story that his scars tell us. You see, behind every story or every scar, there's a story. Something that an event that has taken place, whether it's a physical scar, whether it's an emotional scar, varying degrees of scars depending on how the wound happened, how great the wound was. And I think that everyone here, if you have any time in life at all, has a scar. A scar. I remember my grandson, his first scar. He, it happened when we were in Southdale and I was taking care of him. And he was, he could walk and just barely run. And I was sitting in one of these seats that they had provided for us older people. <laughs> and <laughs> he was enjoying, you know, uh, I think it was a candy machine or something like that. And it was probably a distance of 15 feet. And I, so was, I wanted him to come to me, and, you know, just wanted to give him a hug. And, you know, it's, so I got him to come. And, of course, he'd come running. And just before he got to me, he tripped and fell. And I wasn't quick enough to catch him. And the bench that I was sitting on was metal. And blood was definitely spewing out and all over. The process... Of course, he went and had some stitches, and, you know, it's just about all gone, but there's a story behind the scars. Your scar, you could reflect upon that even this morning. We all have got scars, scars that have been produced by failed endeavors, at least in our estimation. Failed relationships, broken promises, accidents and incidences that have happened. And the fact of the matter is that there are wounds that have not yet healed. And they have not become scars yet. So there's a story behind your 
scars. There's a story behind the scars of Jesus Christ. But the scars of Jesus Christ contain promises and future. Scars are living proof of yesterday's challenges. The risks, the dangers, the thrills, the courage, and occasionally the missteps that we've, we've had. And as a result of some of those, we get a wound that time heals and it is a scar. But yet, from time to time, if we will notice it, or if someone would see it, they would say, how did you get those scars? Or if it's not a physical scar, sometimes you can talk with people and individuals, and in the conversation, you can notice that there is a wound. There's an emotional wound that has happened. Something has transpired that, you know, that... that uh, inside of us has been damaged and time has a way of scarring it but sometimes it just stays open scars are proof of victory you've conquered something you've prevailed against the circumstances As we already mentioned, it's a story past. It's an experience lived. Some positive things to it. It's, it's a writing on the wall that you can make it through. You've endured. It's another kind of memory. It shows that you've maybe have suffered, but you survived. Scars are the evidence of life. Because without life, you don't heal. And so scars tell us that you're alive. And proof of healing. They have a language all their own, depending on each individual. When you remember the story of the scar... You may shake your head. It may draw tears to your eyes. On the other hand, you might even kick yourself. How could I have been so foolish? Sometimes scars are the remnants of special days that happen in your life where you become anointed for tasks that still lie ahead of you. So every event, the scarrings in life, you know, don't all fall into the same purpose and the same reason and the same category. Task that God has for you. And as he prepares you, you know, as he molds you and as he, he shapes you for that what he's got in front of you. 
It says that Jesus was set to bring many sons to glory. But why did God, who raised Jesus from the dead and has the power over death and hell, why did he leave the scars? Why didn't he heal them? Why did he let the scars remain? One, to remind us of a story past. And two, to tell us of a story in the future. It was the scars that confirmed to the disciples that this was Jesus. It was a validation that he wasn't an imposter. It was to make clear that he was not just a ghost or a phantom. He was the same one that hung on the cross. And so... When he comes into the room of his beloved disciples who now are just, you know, they're beside themselves. They're not sure what to do, what tomorrow is going to be. They're actually afraid. They don't want to go out in the streets. So they get together. And here they are, and then all of a sudden, he just appears. See, at this time now, he can... He doesn't have to knock on doors and ring doorbells and ask his permission to come in. He can just walk through them, and which he did. What power. What an amazing thing. And he, they look at him, and the first thing he does is holds up his hands and pulls his robe far enough apart so that he could see the scars. It's an identity. In fact, as Thomas said that the scars were so important to him that he said, you know, guys, unless I see them, unless I put my hand in, in his side, I, I'm just not going to believe your report. And so scars serve as proof. In the story of Jesus, it is proof in that what has happened on Friday is a vital part of the resurrection story. The agony of Easter, the pain. is what brings the glory of Easter morning. They are scars, not of weakness, but of love. Love that is stronger than the grave. His scars show us that he's human as well as divine. 
because you cannot wound just God. Your scars are telling you a story. Not just a story of what he had did, what he has done, but a story so that you'll understand what he is in the present and in the now. That there's a connection that he has made with mankind. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and we esteemed him stricken and forgotten of men. The scars are a story to you and I that he understands your human frailty. He's not just walking around as God. But he's coming and wants you to know that he identifies with the frailty of your humanness. That he was in all points tempted like you and I. Now, everybody doesn't get tempted in the same way in every point, but Jesus made sure that he covered them all. You know, he triumphed over for it so that he could be our assistant, so he could be our conqueror, our overcomer. So he understands our frailty, our weaknesses, our pain in, in our Suffering in my mind quickly goes, if I might, without being offensive to our visiting guest this morning, is this little baby came early. And in that moment, your mind runs in so many directions because we are faced with, you know, life and death. And in that moment, in in that time, we get challenged. The pain that you feel, the suffering that you feel for a little one. All the time being grateful for all the means by which has been appropriated to us here on earth. But the scars of Jesus tells us that I understand your pain and your suffering. The scars tell us that he he knows about being abandoned. He knows about having to be alone. He knows about betrayal. He, He knows about being forsaken. It's a living memorial. The scars. Tell us that God's been there long before us. And that he will be there with us on the rest of our journey. It tells us that the wounded Christ is the savior of the 
wounded community. We are not whole by ourselves. We are not whole independent of ourselves. There is a scar of sin, a scar that sin has left on all of us, irrespective of how perfect and how wonderful life is. If you would have never had a bad day, there's still a scar that one day you're going to have to face. And Jesus was wounded for that. He was wounded for my transgressions. The story of Jesus' scars is a story of death and life. It tells of the price of sin and how ugly it is. It tells of God's love and Christ's embrace. It tells of God's hate, sin, and his atonement for sin. His scars tell us of Christ's willingness to enter enemy territory. He tasted death for all mankind. I don't know what the enemy of death tastes like. I don't know. And because of my hope in Jesus Christ, I thank God that I never really have to know what death tastes like. But think about it. I know the pull and the strain that I see, you know what I mean, when, when, when the effects of death, you know what I mean, has laid that physical body into a prone position. And I even know how sometimes I dislike the needed, necessary, but unwelcoming of having to perform those last moments. But he was willing to enter enemy territory. It says that he who ascended was the one that first of all descended. His wounds teach us of his sympathy. Not just for himself, but for you. Because everything that happened to him was supposed to happen to you. And it happened to him so that he could go ahead and bring healing and wholeness to you. So he can make a difference. So he can let you know that I feel what has happened. I feel the pain. I think of the, just as prior to, to this particular time as, as Jesus stood in Jerusalem and, 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 and on the city, and he, he weeps over it. He said, I just so wish you could get, you know, the reason for myself. Wish you could grasp 
I have come and who I am. They wept because they didn't grasp it. Don't ever think that, you know, if you're not getting it, that God is just ignoring it. No, he's not ignoring it when you don't get it. He's weeping. You know, he's moved with regard to it. How oft would I have gathered you? How oft I would have protected you? He said, you know, you're running into things that you don't have to run into if you'll just come. And let me be the Lord and the guide of your life. It happens before we become Christians, and by that I mean believers, and it happens even after we're believers. There is an amazing world of divine protection available from the Lord for our lives on a daily basis. That is, in the, in the Lord's Prayer, he says, pray that you would not be led into temptation, but you would be delivered from the evil one. The evil one is always trying to pray, set up, you know, a, a, a right stage to do something devastating and to your life. If you would would have come, he said, I would take you like a hen duster chicks. I'd put you under my wing and I'd shelter you from so many things that happens out there. You know, it's a neat thing how God does things because he just not, you know, we don't all stay chicks forever. But he says, really what he's saying is, he says, as a mother hen, I'm going to go ahead and make sure you're ready for the next event. And until you're ready for the next event, I'm going to keep my sheltering wings over you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know what I mean? If, if something, you know, that's, that's bigger than you and greater than you is coming your way, guess who's going to meet him head on? I'm not going to let you as a little chick go out there on your own and meet him. A mother hen wouldn't do it. Listen, you never want to get in the claws of a mother. I don't care which kingdom it is in. Absolutely. A mother in a protective mode will run off the devil. <laughs> See, he uses, yes, it's a good thing. That's why he uses these analogies. He wants to show us some sides of him and the angles of him. I mean, he's a lion, he's a, he's a mother hen, you know what I mean? He's a lamb, he's a goat. I mean, it's bringing perspective how God has to operate and wants to operate in, the, in a given situation on the behalf of, of your soul. And so the story that the scars tell us 
is that there is life. There is promise that he knows your pain and suffering. In the time frame, the story of the scars is going to be a witness against his accusers. It's going to be an identifying mark. It says in Zechariah, chapter 12 and verse 10, God makes this phenomenal promise about pouring out the spirit of David on the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And then it says that they will look on him whom they have pierced. What are they going to see? They're going to see his scars. Wounds that have healed. Wounds that show that there is still life in spite of the events that produces the scars. The scars of Jesus tell us that the battle is won. And that wounds really do heal. His scars are the ones that hold yours. His scars have the power to transform your wounds so that they become healed. His scars point to a day when there is no handicaps, when all dreams come true, and when all relationships are whole and there are no betrayals. A promise to the future. Scars that guarantee your healing in your future. The story of your scars, he's interested in. He cares how your scars came. And he became scarred so he could go ahead and identify and heal your scars. I don't know this morning. We can go around looking so whole. And yet, there's wounds in our life that the very slightest of, you know, mention or, or something just opens them up. And they need healing. They need a touch that helps us to move beyond and into the brightness of the future of the scarred one that is planned for us. See, when he was wounded, he, his wounded hands under, makes us to know that he understands our handicaps. Understands that you're not perfect. Understands that you have 
weaknesses and challenges. He doesn't come along to excuse them. He comes along to empower them. He knows about when his feet were wounded. He knows about journeys that have been interrupted. Not unlike the disciples. On the road to Emmaus, there's the disciples, and they're downhearted and distraught about the whole thing. And a journey that they had been on already, all of a sudden had been interrupted. To them, it had ended. They didn't know that God was just taking it to a higher plane, a higher level. We thought that he was the one. He was the one, it's just that he was doing it different than what they thought. The times that I've messed up and, you know, kind of blown it is when God just was doing it different than what I thought. And during that him ironing all out, that was the challenging part. Figured it out. I was, we were in the little building over there, and I had been to a, a meeting. Powerful prophets of God were there, and they prophesied to me about a new building. And what was unique about it was, you know, that it's all paid for. Well, I mean, that sounds good to you, you know. I love the fact that something's paid for. But every building I investigated <laughs> had a price tag on it. <laughs> it did. had a price tag on it. And so as I pursued it, as I went, you know what I mean? I, well, okay, you know... See, I'm one of those. You, some, you people that can, can just walk out, you know, and, and, and the money can come later. I haven't got there yet. Money comes first. The project comes second. <laughs> That's why you're safe. You're not going to, you know, in difficulty here. But I, I couldn't figure it out. And now, God, this is what you said. And one day I've sat in my office. And... God says, don't you look over there? This was sitting there. Everything crossed my mind. I was looking all over. I was looking at Red Wing. You know what I mean? I was looking at Ellsworth. There it was. Needed some TLC, needed some, needed some handiwork, needed some investments, but it was all paid for. I just had to wait for the interpretation of the prophetic word. I had to get it. Hallelujah. So God, he hasn't went back on his word if he said something. He hasn't went back on his word. He keeps his promise. But sometimes we're just misinterpreting it. 
And he's not trying to hide it from us. But sometimes we're so busy, you know what I mean, trying to figure it out that we don't spend enough time, you know what I mean, just letting him reveal it. So he knows about journeys interrupted. He knows about broken promises. He knows about broken relationships. He knows about the emotional and mental brokenness. And that's why musicians to come. He knows about broken hearts. It's all in the story of your scars. He knows about the loss of loved ones. He knows about how sometimes you have to wait, you know what I mean, for the best. You can go for the good, but you can wait for the best. How his heart must have pulled when he heard Lazarus was dead. And how that Mary, Martha, in their hearts, they're just longing for him to get there. So the question we got to ask is, was Mary and Martha missing it, or was Jesus missing it? Well, we got to ask ourselves, who missed it? And so then that agony of heart and the sorrow is this Lazarus is laying dead because they don't know that there's a plan of resurrection. That something that seemingly has died and has already been wrapped in grave clothes, that's the end of it. It isn't. It isn't. If God has made the promise, it doesn't make any difference if it's in grave clothes. He will call it forth. And it will unwrap. And it will come back to life. It will come back to life. God took all those scars for your wholeness. The scars tell the story that you are engraved in his hand. It says in Isaiah 49 and 16, it says, See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hand. So there's more to it than a nail scar. It has to do with your name. Your name. I've written it there. And as I wrap this up this morning, the power and the dynamic of scars It says that the scars 
are of eternal wonder. They're of eternal wonder. John, as he visits the Spirit, he sees a vision and he's able to identify him by the scars. Revelation chapter 5, it says this, and I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a, a scroll written inside and on the back, and it was sealed with seven seals. Now, not get into so much depth of it, but that's what the Romans did. Romans had seven seals in which they, you know, would seal documents. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? Now look at No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. So John began to weep because no one was found worthy to open. Watch this now, church. What do you mean? Wasn't anybody in heaven, wasn't anybody on earth found worthy to open this thing, to take those things? What about the Father? Where's he? Is he in heaven? What about the Holy Spirit? Where's he? He's still in heaven because he hasn't been sent yet. He didn't have any scars. He didn't have the credentials. I hope that's not too deep for you, but listen to what he said. I wept because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold the lion, the tribe of Judah. He makes mention of this warrior. But what he identifies is the lamb. The scars. He's the only one that had earned a right to go ahead and unseal the scrolls of the destiny and the end of humanity, you know, and the earth. The scars tell a story. A story that is so powerful that, that the choirs of heaven, all of the cherubims and all of the angels, it's worthy is the lamb that was slain. It's the scars. Stand with me this morning. (laughs) 
scars off a living memorial of the God of creation dressed in human flesh, reaching to the nail-scarred hands, reaching with nail-scarred hands to rescue humanity who has been wounded by the power of, of sin. I want to pray that this morning that our wounds will be healed. That the life and the power of the scars of Jesus are going to be transferred into your life. There are some times that I don't want to do something because I've been scarred in that area or wounded and the scar hasn't healed yet. I, go, I just don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I can't bear to get that wound again. And yet, he invites me begins to pour the oil that heals it. I can't tell you how he does it. All I can tell you that he does it. I wish I could explain it better. But I know that when that happens, I still have a wound. And he wants to heal my wounds to make it whole because he has a future that's planned. Father, this morning, would you help us to capture not just the story behind the scars, but the story that the scars tell us. That you're our healer. You are the one that was wounded so that you could relate and that you could heal. And that you are the one that has the right into our lives. Oh, hallelujah. You are the one that, that has opened the door. We want to open it for you this morning. Would you heal? our wounds and though the scar might be there it's not going to bleed us of life it is going to empower our life heal this morning by the gracious love and hand of you in Jesus name Thank you for listening to this message from Bible Center Church. For more information, you can find us online at www.biblectr.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash biblectr.org.